You guys are awesome. Come on up here. We got to get you in the light so they can just see how cute you are. These are just a few of our kids from GT Kids. We love them. They did a great job. And so, you know, school is about to start. And so what I thought this would, uh, it would be a great thing to do today is if you are an educator or if you are a student, either, even if it's college or preschool or whatever, if you have anything to do with educating people, I'm going to ask you to stand where you're at. And we want to pray for you this morning. We want to pray that this school year is an amazing year. We're going to pray for these gorgeous kids that they have just an awesome school year. So if you're an educator, yes, go ahead and stand up. We want to pray for you. So go ahead. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Okay. I'm like, there's got to be more than just, yes, yes, yes. We love you. We, we are just committed to praying for you. And uh, we partner with a couple schools and we just really believe in what you do. So even in the hard times, even in the times that break your heart, what you do really, really does matter. I have the, the privilege throughout different times throughout the school year to speak at different schools. There's one of the schools, Muffley, I'm going to be speaking to the staff on Tuesday morning just to encourage the staff that what they do really counts. And so I want you to know we're committed to keeping you in our prayers that you will be as effective and as powerful as God has created you to be. And that for your students, that you'll go to school and you'll be ready to learn and it'll be amazing. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these educators and for these precious students, Lord God, for the calling that you have placed on their life to pour into our kids, to train up this generation of leaders and doctors and lawyers and farmers and all. God, I just pray, you know what the future holds for each of these students. And I pray that you would empower the teachers to be able to speak in such a way and teach in such a way that they bring out the best in the students and that the students would go ready to learn, energized and ready to just gulp up everything that the teachers are teaching and that parents would do their part. It's not just dropping their kids off, but that they would do their part to work with the teacher and work with the school. We're believing that 2019, 2020 school year is going to be a powerful, effective, amazing school year. We bless you. Everything teachers that you put your hands to do, we pray God's blessing and favor over it now and protection, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give him one more hand. You can be seated. All right, get out of here, you crazy kids. Come on. Come
good morning, my beautiful family. Wonderful to see you guys today. And this morning, my job, my mission, my commitment this morning is that you would leave more free than you came. I want to talk to you this morning, my beautiful family, about a curse, a curse that I don't want you to any longer live under. It's a curse that well, a lot of times we bring on ourselves. It's a curse that, that somehow, I don't know, even maybe from a good place, a, a good motivation, we end up being cursed. What am I talking about? My message this morning is titled, This Is Me. And what I'm talking about is the curse of being a people pleaser. That day in and day out, the thing that consumes you is, oh my goodness, everybody has to like me. Everybody has to approve of me. Oh my gosh, I hope they think I'm handsome. I hope they think I'm pretty. I hope they like my clothes. I hope they like how I vote. I hope they like my opinion on this. We, we run around asking people, and, and maybe it's kind of subconscious, and a lot of times it's very, very conscious. We run from people to people, from group to group, and it's like, define me, define me. Whatever you like, I like. I don't have an opinion of myself that goes outside of the opinion of the group, like, because I always have to be liked. Everybody always has to think I'm cool. Everybody always has to think I'm funny. The driving force in my life is I must be popular. Do you understand what I mean when I say curse? I spent too many years of my life being a chameleon, being this to this group of people and being this to this group of people and be, trying to please this one and trying to please that one. And I've learned after 26 years of being in the ministry, everybody always thinks they want a pastor that just speaks the truth and doesn't care what people think and just, until he or she makes a decision that you don't agree with. Can I get an amen? amen. Then it's like, well, I'll just go to another church or I'll just get... We waste our lives thinking that I live to please my parents. The reason I exist is my parents always have to approve of me. They always have to think, and I always have to, I have to live my life to please my parents, doing everything I possibly can, because God forbid, if my mom or dad, if I ever did something that was outside of the plan of their, their plan for my life, oh gosh, then they wouldn't approve. And we get caught in this cycle of, I live to please my parents. Or maybe it's I live to please and to be in the cool group. And so because I want to be popular, because the driving force in my life is everybody has to always like me, what we end up doing, my beautiful family, is we go from compromise to compromise to compromise. When I use the word chameleon, Take it from an expert, you guys. Joe, I spent too much of my life just trying to be, okay, okay, so with, th with this group of people, this is who I am. Okay, for this group of people, I'm a little bit more reserved. I'm a little bit, okay, with this group of people, finally, here's what ends up happening, is you lose yourself. 
You don't know who you are unless the people you're around define you. So you run around just saying, tell me who I am. Does this look cool? Am I skinny enough? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? Am I rich enough? Am I democratic enough? Am I Republican enough? Just tell me who you want me to be and I'll be exactly who you want me to be. Family, I need to take a breath. I know I'm talking fast and I know I'm being intense. It's because I've wasted too many years of my life trying to please people. And I don't want you in that curse. You are amazing. You're amazing. And listen, guys. I'm not just talking to the women this morning because women are a lot more, not all, you can't lump anybody in one group of anything, but it seems like most women are a little bit more comfortable talking about their struggles with this or with that. And it's like, oh, guys don't struggle with body image. Oh, guys don't struggle with trying to fit in. Oh, guys don't ever struggle with trying to please their parents or try to please their wife or try, guys, that's hogwash. We struggle with the same stuff. We just put on, some of you, I sort of say, we put on a tough exterior. you know, I cry at the drop of a hat. You know what I mean? So, but it affects everybody. If you're human, we all have this inner voice. And a lot of times that inner voice will keep us from getting in trouble. There's an inner voice that, and, and I, don't want to, I don't want you to confuse it. We have an inner voice that can tell us when something doesn't just seem right and can tell us, but I'm talking about the lying voice the lying voice that we all have in our head, that lying voice that it's like, oh my goodness, if my daughter ever got pregnant and she wasn't married, oh my gosh, it would shatter my world. Why? Why? Primarily, everybody stop and think with me on this. Primarily is because what would people think? There were just a couple times I remember my sweet daughter, Brielle, she had just a couple of times. She was really good about choosing clothes and stuff. And, but there were a couple of times there were some shorts that were a little bit too short, you know, stuff like that. And just as a dad, I'm like, I don't want people seeing your, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, no, I don't, you know. And that was never really a problem. But in those couple of times, in re- replaying that conversation with her, I know what was in my mind. What was in my mind is, what would people think of the pastor's daughter wearing to, because God forbid, right? Ridiculous. And so I want you to be set free from that. I want you to be free. I even want to help you this morning. Look at your failures in a different way. The Apostle Paul he was such a stud, you guys. I mean, this guy, he in the Bible, this dude was just like, I don't care what people think. I don't care. I mean, he was such, he's just like incredible. And so he wrote, the book of Galatians is, uh, Galatians chapter one is what, where I pulled this scripture out of. And Galatia was this region where there were a bunch of churches. And so Paul wrote them this letter to all the churches there. This is 15 years after he gave his life to Jesus, okay? But you need to know, Paul, another name that he used to go by is Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And when he was Saul, before he gave his life to Jesus, his number one goal in life was to stamp out and kill Christianity. He was moving up in the ranks in in Judaism. He was going to be like the grand poobah of Jews. I mean, he was moving up 
the ranks that fast. And his mission was this whole Christian living, this whole Christ thing, we, ha we have to kill it. We're going to persecute them. We're going to go in the house and raid. We're going to kill them. We're going to stop this thing before it gets started good. Until he met Jesus. And Jesus completely transformed his life. And he started tearing it up for Jesus. And so he's writing this letter to the churches that are in uh, Galatia, in the region of Galatia, because someone showed up and start teaching them a poisonous gospel. Someone, Paul had already established the gospel with them, and they were doing great, but then some false teachers arose and started saying, oh no, your faith in Jesus Christ is not enough. It's Jesus plus you doing this, and Jesus plus you doing that, and Jesus plus, no, don't come with this thing of just believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. No, you have to add other stuff to it. And so Paul is writing this letter and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Someone's trying to poison what we've taught. Don't listen to it. And in this first chapter, family, there's a strong lesson for us. And Paul's saying, God is the potter and you are the clay. I want you all to be able to say, this is me. So he writes this letter and he asks a question in this letter. It's so great, family. Let's jump into it. He was like, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? He says this, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He makes two strong points here, family, with that statement. First of all, how many of you know that especially in the day and time that we live in, it's increasingly becoming less and less popular a thing for you to be a Christian? Have you noticed? I mean, and so he's saying, especially Paul being a Jew, He's like, if I was trying to win a popularity contest, I wouldn't have converted to Christianity because especially in his day, it wasn't a very popular thing to do and it could get you killed. But the other point he's making is this, family, that you and I today, we, and I'm telling you, it's so urgent to me, family, you today have to decide, were you put on this planet to please God or to please man? Because you can't do both. You have to choose and you have to agree with God that we were created in his image. We were created in his image to do good things that he prepared for us to do so that we can be pleasing unto him. And so the choice is, is am I going to live my life trying to get approval from everybody else? What by now? I want you, this is a question. What by now would you have done if you weren't so concerned of what people would think about it? Maybe there's something that's like, I would have done this a long time ago, but I was so afraid of what people would think. I want you to understand, family, a powerful truth, number one. Seeking people's approval puts you at their mercy. Think about it, family. 
seeking people's approval, running around, always having to have that approval from people put you at their mercy. You know how we are. One day we like you, one day we don't. Why would we put our lives in the hands of people? If you study history and if you go down throughout history, anytime a king or queen would say, you know what, I'm just going to put you in the hands of the people, it does not turn out good. Why would you want to put your life in the hands of another person when God looks at you and he says, oh my goodness, you're precious. I created you in my own image. How dare anybody try to tell you you're not good enough? God looks at you and God says, because I made you and because you're mine, you are enough. Your neighbor needs to hear that. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are enough. Because we all struggle with that. Am I enough? And God says, enough struggling with that, Tiffany. You are exactly who he created you to be. Don't you Dare compromise who you are. He's got a purpose and a plan for you being exactly who you are, exactly the way that you are. Don't you change for anybody unless God says, girl, this is what I want you to do next. You're good enough just how you are. Amen. You are. We put ourselves at people's mercy because I can't, I can't take a step unless someone approves of it. I can't make an act unless someone approves of it. And Paul says, <laughs> you can't be a servant of God and a slave to man at the same time. And so Jesus comes to set us free. And what do we do, Dave? We put ourselves back in chains for people's opinions. No. Paul makes another great point going further on, my beautiful family. He says, for I would have known you, brothers, that the I would, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. Can someone say hallelujah? It's not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Which, Tracy, you need to know this. When you come here to church and we're preaching and we're teaching, the only reason it gets through, the only reason it penetrates your heart and your mind is because you receive it from Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who's teaching one Sunday or the next Sunday. You receive the word of God by through the Holy Spirit by revelation of who Jesus is that's how you receive it so important that you understand that for you have heard my former life in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it absolutely and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father he's like we were going to kill Christianity that was our goal but when he who had set me apart just say it to your pastor I just want to hear you guys say I'm set apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Hmm. 
hmm, when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't run around trying to make sure it was okay with everybody in my, like, do you still think I'm cool? Like, am I all right? I, it, when I, I did not immediately consult with anyone. We're going to come back to that. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So Paul was persecuting the church. He had this conversion moment with Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus, and Jesus is like, that's enough. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I need to go away for a while. Whoa. This was big. He was blinded for a little bit, and he was just like, I need to just... Do you know what we do? We pray for stuff and pray for stuff. God, give me direction on this. God, show me what you want me to do. And God actually give us, gives us a plan. But what do we do, Jackie? We got to make sure that it's approved by everyone around us before we actually step out and do what God's told us to do. And if you're not careful, hear your little pastor this morning, okay? People can talk you out of the blessings of God. If you're so interested in everybody's opinions, and every, but I really feel like this is what God told me to do, you have a choice to make. Yeah, but I want everybody to like me. And what if, what if I remember you guys when I was leaving to go to college, grew up in Pennsylvania, went to college at Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma. And my mom and dad, while they were excited for me to follow God's plan, they were not excited that I would be gone. And they're like, Matt, we know you you're not coming back home to live. We know after you graduate, you're going to be gone. Diva's the only one from her family that doesn't live where they all grew up. And while her family was excited for us to get married, they were not that excited that Diva wouldn't be there all the time. There comes a point when God is telling you something that if you're running around trying to get everybody else's approval, just know that the blessing of God could slip right through your fingers because you're trying to please everybody else. There's sometimes, family, hear your pastor, point number two. There are some, some things that should be, be between you and God alone. And I got to pause here and take this moment to say, Hear your pastor this morning. This includes your Facebook posts and your Instagram. People do not need to see your behind all up on the screen and stuff. All right. Like people don't need to know, what, oh, I'm doing this. And we, oh, and she made me mad. And oh, I'm doing this. And he's doing this. And I'm going to. There's some things that need to be between just you and God. Can I get an amen? Yeah. My goodness. It's like, what in the world are you doing posting that garbage? Stop. No, there's some things, family, that you need to just sit on for a while. I really feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to do this. Vicki, you know you can't tell everybody your dreams, right? You can't tell everybody your dreams because what they'll do, Barb, is they'll spend the next half hour telling you why you're crazy for dreaming that dream. You can't. There are some things that you need to keep just between you and God. And God, I know, I know you told me this, God. And I know it may, may not make sense to people around me, but God, I'm holding on to it. I'm holding on to it, God. 
There's businesses that God wants to bring through you, but your family told you you're not good enough to make it happen. There's things that God is calling you to strike. There's ministries. There's ministries right here in this room, but you think you can't do it because you're not a pastor. That's hogwash. Pastors are just people. Trust me. There's things that God wants to do through your life, and you have to decide, am I so worried about everybody liking me and everybody loving my dream and everybody, or is there a time when I'm going to stand up and say, this is me? Lastly, family, and I must confess, the same as last week, the reason I put this message together was for the third, the third point. Paul brings this home in such an awesome way, and I remember being in my living room kind of compiling everything, and it just hit me just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, teach us this, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach us this today. He wraps it up. He says, then after three years, so three years before he, oh, is it okay with everybody? He's like, no, I need to just chill for a little bit. I need to get like just, just me and God, just me and God. I, I need to grow and I need to, I don't want anybody talking me out of this. Three years. And I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except for James, the brother of Jesus. And what I'm writing to you before God like, hear me, I'm not lying. This is the truth. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was still, doing? this thing just kind of moved on itself. <laughs> and I was still unknown in persons to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. He was like, I, I'd been doing ministry, and, but I still... Like, I wasn't known for, like, being the great Apostle Paul yet. You know what I mean? He says something here, family, that's awesome. They didn't maybe know a ton, a whole lot about all, about all the ministry that I had done. He said, they were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. You know there are times when people get hung up on what they've heard about you and they take what they've heard about you as the gospel and they think they know you from what they've heard about you where they want to read yesterday's headlines, and God already delivered you out of that, but who does she think she, oh, she's all Miss Christian now. I remember back in the day, I told you last week, there's some people you need to say sayonara to, because they, all they want to talk about is who you used to be, and you can say in Christ, I'm a brand new creature. All things are made new. I'm not about to let you define me by who you think I am or who you think I used to be. Paul says they didn't know yet all over everywhere about the miracles we've seen. What they knew is that I wanted to destroy Christianity. But he ends with a sentence, my beautiful family. They were talking bad. It was just the bad stuff that I used to do. That's what they remember most. He ends with a sentence that makes me want to holler. They were talking about all the bad stuff I used to do, but they glorified God 
because of me. Hear your pastor this morning. It's the job of the enemy to keep you looking at your mistakes as life-defining failures. It's the job of the enemy to keep you wrapped up in that cycle of shame and of hiding. What if someone finds out? Oh, if they know the truth. Oh, if they only knew. We can get so caught up in this cycle, my beautiful family, of allowing other people's opinions of us to matter more than God's opinion of us that we get caught, family, and we forget the promise that God made you and the promise that God made me is all those things that the enemy meant for your destruction, God's going to turn it around and he's going to get the glory out of it. He's going to use it for your good. And so what I came to tell you this morning is I no longer want you to wear the mask. I no longer want you to be ashamed of the mistakes and the failures from your past because God's promise is, is he'll give you beauty for ashes. When everybody else is ready to give up on you, when everybody else is still reading the old news, you can boldly stand and say, this is me. All the bumps, all the bruises, all the failures, all the mistakes, I trust God to sweep in and to use it for his glory you're a vessel of honor but you don't know what I've done pastor Matt you're a vessel of honor and all of those sins and all of those scars and all of those bumps and all of those bruises, I want you to know that God intends to birth your ministry out of your greatest weaknesses, out of your greatest failures. People need to hear you talking about, yeah, I remember when I was an alcoholic. Yeah, I remember when I couldn't go a month without looking at porn. Yeah, I remember what it's like to be a habitual liar. But look what the Lord has done in my life. I'm not who I used to be. And I don't care what you say about me. I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am and whose I am. I want you to be free from that, my beautiful family. Free. And so you might be sitting here today or you might be watching. And I came to tell you, number three, you might be ashamed of your past, but God. Can this crazy second service shout, but God, let me hear you. You might be ashamed of your past, but God can get the glory through it, amen. He can get the glory through it. God knows exactly what you've done. And because of his son, Jesus, the Bible says we can boldly approach the throne of God, knowing that we're loved, that we're chosen, that we're accepted. Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you doing trying to please people? Tell them, what are you doing? When God is goo goo gaga in love with you, it's time that as the body of Christ, we, instead of hiding our scars and instead of hiding our bruises and being ashamed of our mistakes and failures, it's time for the body of Christ to say, God's going to use it for my good. I'm tired of hiding. This is me. This is me. Sing it, darling. Sing it, sing it, sing it. stranger to the dark hide away they say this 
Cause we don't want your broken parts I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say No one will love you as you are But I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious When the sharpest words wanna cut me down I'm gonna send a flood, gonna drown them out I am brave, I am bruised I am who I'm meant to be This is me Look out, cause here I She could sing. I don't know who told her she could sing. I don't know. God's house is full of broken and bruised people just the way he meant it. 
Jesus said, I didn't come for those who think they're already healed, who think there's no sickness in their life at all. Jesus said, I came to this earth for the ones, for the people that know, God, if you don't rescue me, I won't be saved. Jesus said, I came for people who are willing to confess their sins and confess their failures and their mistakes and not try to hide it, not try to pretend that there's something they're not, but people who will say and who know the greatest prayer that any human being could ever pray is, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's a place for us. I know that there's a place for us. And it's here.